Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. Certain things have hit the fan with my team, JB, and I need your advice. I'm out of the top 1K for the first time in a month, and I just uh, I need some uh, some consoling from you, mate. I need to hear some nice words from you to make me feel a little better. All right. Well, let's go with Cheezo and a really good intro. Name a more dynamic duo. Um, Rocky and the Wet. Yeah, I don't know if you really proved that this week. <laughs> Not sure about that one, Chizo, but yes, um, it's good to be here. Uh, my week was worse than yours, so I think you should be the one consoling myself. That's all right. We're, we're all a community here. We're all in the Slack channel. Just one big group hug because uh, there's been some things go down. I thought uh, I won five out of my eight league games. I'm thinking, you know, looking at some, some scores around the league, I'm thinking, you know, 2160 is not too bad. And then... What a fall from grace that was when lockout finished. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have Hearn, Whitfield, or Lockie Neal, then it was just dropping ranks left and right, etc. So I missed all three of those. Um, didn't really hit my captaincy option either and played p- people like Gibbons and Answorth And I, don't, I, I think I've repressed half their names, to be honest. That many bad scores on field. It was not a good week for some, but for some others, it was a very good week, Cheezer. Well, I saw Matt Parker's score and was like, oh, this is easy. Just chuck Setterfield on there. He only needs to play a couple of quarters and he'll top that. <laughs> Next minute, oh, bloody no. 29. What a great round it, it seems to be. And then the same thing, I was looping Hayes in the midfield and I was like, oh, you know, Hayes 31, not particularly happy with that. Well, Chuck Gibbons on there. Go, Gib. You got it, bro. I did the same and, thing with Ainsworth oh. and Lockhart. I had Lockhart on the bench and I was like, 52? Ainsworth can top that. He got like 28. Ah. Oh, just we see a, a normal super coacher that just you know sees their team on on a Friday morning and just like locks their side at like you know midday at lunchtime and then doesn't look at it until you know lockouts finished on Monday afternoon. Probably had a good week. Us that we're sitting there, you know, we're thinking loopholes, we're thinking VCs, we're you know <laughs> should we cap this? We're just completely screwing our sides over. So you know, there's some positives with the negatives, mate. You, you just there's ups and downs. It took until round nine for my year to be completely burnt down. So um, that's better than most years. <laughs> I don't know how many people's years are burnt down at rank 1500 so that wouldn't be too stressed <laughs> mate we'll quickly get into it uh, we don't have uh, another hour and a half podcast like uh, me and pistol always seem to have uh, we'll get into some housekeeping some patreon um, signups we've had in the recent days uh, we got Emon, michael o'toole darren pitt meldrum de silva and Lockie mckern all of those guys have been added into the slack channel and uh we're over 100 in there jb so we're going to be doing the giveaway uh this week i think i'm announcing it on the thursday podcast mate huge very excited for that and you do get very creative creative with your giveaways so looking forward to what you've got planned here yeah, well, I don't want to give anything away, but um, well, that's the point of it. That's that's what a giveaway is. Yeah, hopefully it tops uh, what we uh, <laughs> gave away that. with the uh, with the prospectus uh, JV. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and we do have some donations for dumb things um, this week, uh, David. How dare I doubt thee, oh great Grundy? Uh, I believe he had a uh, over under bet in the Slack channel uh, with Lee about what Grundy would score uh, on the weekend. Yeah, I think he had it about 130 or sort of mid-130s, and he definitely went the unders on that one, so off by about 10 to 15 points there. So not he was pretty happy him. at halftime, though, I think. I think Rowan Marshall was stealing all of Grundy's points up until that point. Until Grundy grundied him and uh, went crazy in the last quarter and a half. 
He was just saving it for the back straight, much like Winks. Uh, we got <laughs> Mrs. Pistol donating for dumb things. Didn't loophole Grundy as my captain in time. Jeez, I, I think she's learning from Pistol this year. Um, and Nathan, a uh, $5 donate for dumb things for not organising his side before the Sunday game, so costing him 80 points in the midfield. We, we're getting better, JB. I'm not seeing too many emergency issues this week, which seems to be the common theme this year. I think the problem is, Chizo, and I'm going to out myself on the podcast here. Uh-oh, May- uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe they're learning from us because <laughs> I had my vice captaincy uh, on the Saturday night and then lo and behold realised that I have no Sunday donuts to even loophole him with. So <laughs> oh, I had to, no. had to roll the dice on Josh Kelly, which didn't... If he scored sub-130, maybe I would have donated, but I think it worked out okay in the end. Yeah, no, 130 is like... A, not a bad thing. You're only missing out on like 13 points, but it, it certainly could have been worse. It could have been much worse. It, was it could have fine. been. It could have been Dangerfield like a couple of weeks ago, oh, where he put up a 20. Say that. That's scary. That, that's a delete team. Like remove yourself from Slack channel. Like never podcast again. Kind well, of moment. Stay in the Slack channel. <laughs> We'll just keep you away from the super coach side of things. Hey, we better jump into uh, some of the round reviews. The Friday night Eagles versus Demons. Uh, watching this one, mate, I just I I really feel like the Demons completely burnt this game. For three quarters, they were just all over the Eagles, but the uh, uh, the premiers just kept sticking at it, and uh, the ball kept just being rebounded again and again and again by Shannon Hearn. He's a must-have this year. Yeah, must-have is actually a bit of an understatement even. He, he just absolutely, at all costs almost, within the next few weeks, you need to have her, her in your team and you know leading from D1 almost. So uh, I think those kick-out rules, whilst they haven't really affected a lot of the competition, they've really helped him take his game from you know 22 disposals per game to around the 28 to 30 mark, which is... You know, it's just given him so many more points and he was already consistently around the 100 mark and now he's just hitting 120s for fun. Yeah, and he went at 97 or 98% disposal efficiency from his 26 kicks. Uh, the Everything he's going along in uh, his favour this year, 161 supercoach. Someone that's kind of sneaking under the radar again on the Eagles is uh, Elliot Yo, 136 supercoach this week from 26 possessions and 16 tackles, 18 contested possessions. Um, he's he's under-owned for what he can achieve. And uh, if it wasn't for him, Melbourne would have just completely blown him out of the water in the second uh, and parts of the third quarter as well. Yeah, and 16 tackles is amazing. Uh, so as many kicks as tackles, which is... Yeah, I, that, that's just a crazy stat to read and, you know, just look twice at it and go, wait, It's 16? just like me and local footy. One kick, one tackle. That's just my game. <laughs> kick to tackle <laughs> ratio is at one, but it's not at, the, not at one where it should be. Um, well, fair enough. But, yes, Elliot Yo, 136 Supercoach points this week. And as you said, he's sort of just ticking along. And I think after his first month, a lot of people were relieved they didn't take the, the punt because I think some point of different sort of glory hunters were, were going after him early in the season but now his his last few weeks since that first few uh, since that first month have been very good so he's got a three round average of 127 so not many people in the competition can get near that at the moment and you know very very under owned only 580k as well so uh, also not that expensive 
Yeah, probably doesn't hurt uh, help your buy structure as well, considering has the round uh, the buy round with pretty much all of our uh, premiums as well. A uh, Tom Hickey, a forty eight, not a bad score from him, but uh, probably didn't justify him uh, giving uh, you know a bit of a push to Max Gorn after Liam Ryan just uh, soared into the air <laughs> on his back. That was unbelievable, Matt. Maxi Gorn's having a rest from toweling up every single player on the ground pretty much for three seconds on the ground, and all the all the West Coast boys who have barely been sighted go and get into him for it. The man's got 56 hit-outs and 144 supercoach. Don't you worry. <laughs> I don't think that was really justified by the boys. Yeah, it, I was literally considering if this was real life when I was watching that. Clayton Oliver <laughs> went back to his handball happy waves, only eight kicks and 21 handballs. And uh, he's been copping a little bit of flack for being too handball happy in uh, you know recent times when, you know, considering it's his strength, do we say that Shannon Hurd is too kick happy? I don't know. Um, <laughs> But he, uh, you know, he showed exactly what Melbourne's game is like when he and Jaden Hunt combined to come out of the back fifty and uh, uh, put some score on the board uh, towards the, the back end of the game. That that was really fantastic to see. Yeah, and I'm happy for him to have 21 handballs when it's sort of mirrored by a 12 tackle count as well. So, anytime he anytime he goes around that eight to ten tackle mark, you're looking at a decent ton from him. I think this week he's uh, I think he's got Maddie DeBoer though, so something to watch out for if you're thinking of trading him in. Uh, there's absolutely no need to send him to Angus Brayshaw because he's dudding. He's he's tagging himself this year. <laughs> he's tagging himself completely out of games. Just the 19 disposals in this one. Uh, only a couple of tackles. Couldn't, couldn't get on the scoreboard like he has been as well a bit this season. 78 super coach points. And look, if you started the year with him, I'm impressed if you still held on to him to this point. But I'm also confused as to why you're still holding on to him at this point. Yeah, we should also mention Oscar Baker in for his first game. Uh, I think the first two or three minutes he had a couple touches and we thought, you know, he looked quite quick and quite slick. Um, Beyond that first five minutes of the game, he really kind of lived up to the hype that we had on last week's lockout podcast where he'd be the, you know, 10 to 13 possession game, um, low tackle numbers, and he just won't score enough to to justify a position in our Supercoach side. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. Uh, Lockout... 51, as we've also mentioned, that's kind of what you expect. Um, he's not a, a high-scoring rookie. On a, He's had those couple games that really worked in his favour, but um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to uh, replicate those scores uh, against good teams like the Eagles and GWS coming up this week. But uh, remains to be seen. Marty Hoare just keeps ticking along 75. He's going to be uh, one of the last that we need to upgrade in, the, in that back line, JB. He's just so dependable. Yeah, and how good has he been? Uh, another 75 score. I think he's gone 75 plus for the last few weeks now uh, in a row, most of them being over 80. Uh, just keeps on ticking on, and his break even is going to stay low until you know he has that singular bad game, and then you can look to upgrade him. So uh, for those who got on Hoare, very, very good job. Yeah, it was his lowest score since round one, and it was still 75. There you go. So... So uh, he, he's definitely one that will, will carry on. Um, that pretty much wraps up everyone in this game. Um, uh, Petrocelli, just his casual 52 as he gets in every week. The Magpies and the Saints. Uh, the Saints, you know, kept along the uh, the Magpies for much of the game. Uh, I didn't really expect JB. I thought that, uh, you know, Collingwood would uh, significantly win this game. And in the end, um, you know, a 41 uh, you know, point deficit to the Saints probably does them uh, a little bit injustice about how long they stayed with the Magpies. But the big one that we do need to talk about is Brody Grundy, 144 Supercoach, 49 hitouts. He had 24 touches. He was just uh, absolutely everywhere. And those that didn't start him at the start of the year probably kicking themselves just a little bit. 
Just a little bit, yeah. Probably a bit more than that. And as we read through Max Gorn a second ago as well, 144 for him, 144 for Grundy. Uh, both Ruckman just going crazy. If you didn't start with either one of these, you know, didn't go with that twin tower setup that a lot of us did, you'd really be struggling to get them in as well. And even O'Brien, who's been such a good cash cow so far, uh, he's, you know, barely within 300k of these two. So if you didn't start them, it was the wrong move. You need to just correct it as soon as possible. And, you know, the damage is already done, really. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, on the Saints side of things, we should talk about Robbie Young in for his first game. He's kicked a couple goals on debut. He looks like a really quick, lively type, 69 super coach points. Looks like a possible downgrade option in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, and the knock on Robbie Young was the fact that he, I think he had 11, didn't get over 11 disposals in his 30-odd games in the Sandfall. You probably correct me on that stat. But it's, it's something like that. Not a very high disposal getter. That is true in this one as well. Only the eight disposals, but he did get four tackles, did keep a, kick a couple of goals. A real impact player, not someone that I'd be looking to get on your field because probably more likely to score in the 50s for you know the rest of his existence. But 6-9, good score to start with. We'll get that first decent cash jump before the 6-9 goes out of the, the rolling average. And uh, a, a decent enough debut. Uh, Cheese, I'll quickly ask you about one. Jack Billings, 75 after half time, was looking like another big score whilst St. Kilda were competitive. And then, lo and behold, St. Kilda sort of went into their shell. Magpies ran away with this, as you said earlier, and he had 25 points for the second half. Is there any more of an example of a Jack Billings game than this? Well, no, you, it, it typifies him, doesn't it? Because he is such an outside player, um, you know, he's more of that, you know, wingman or a half forward that pushes into the centre rather being someone that starts at a centre bounce. It means that he's relying on the Saints winning their, you know, 50-50 balls to be able to feed it out to him a lot of the time. So in the first half when the Saints were really competitive, they were toe-to-toe with the Magpies, um, you know, he was holding his own and and, and really uh, being a benefit on the outside. Uh, but, you know, conversely, with that if you're looking on the second half of the game when the Magpies really ran away with it their midfield got on top he had less ball being fed out to him um, he's just not able to put up those same sort of numbers that he had in the first half and I, I, I think Jack Billings you know when we look back in 10 years' time, he's going to be, you know, a solid player. I just don't think he's going to be someone that ever gets to the heights of the, you know, the 110, 115 supercoach average for the year that, you know, we probably expected at where he was picked in the draft. Yeah, and the way he went a few years ago when he had that breakout season after, I think it was after his debut year, he had a really, really big season towards the end of the year. Then we all picked him up the year after and he had that down year. I think we'll just see a bit of inconsistency and, you know, Maybe a career high of about 105 super coach, you know, for a few years there as a as a forward eligible player. He'll definitely be relevant at one point. Uh, it's just a matter of when and, and for how long. Uh, just lastly, Ron Marshall as well, 90 super coach points in this one. Uh, I think we've run out of excuses as to why we shouldn't get Ron Marshall in our teams. Yep. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sure I could find up with find another one that you know I could you know cobble together a little bit. But <laughs> putting a ninety against Brody Grundy, that's pretty good credence in you know saying that he's a, a genuine option that we can select in our forward line. Yeah, and you know the the scores have been consistently above ninety all season except for that one against Max Gorn, uh, which has him at a pretty cheap price. If you are considering, obviously, have a look at your buy structure and everything as well. And I think it's it's fine to go ahead, and F6 might be his spot for the season. My only concern is, uh, I'm sure you remember Nankovis a couple of years ago when he really had that first breakout season as Sol Ruck. He really hit the wall at about the halfway mark of the year, so it's very difficult to ruck 
uh, just on your own for a whole year uh, straight off the bat after not having much game time prior. So I do get concerned about Royal Marshall's wall that he may eventually hit, but at the moment there's uh, there's no reason to think that he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about another Marsh. Jonathan Marsh in for his second game for the year. He'll be on the bubble next week. Um, 57 super coach points in this year. Uh, he switched his role a little bit this week. He played in the forward half around uh, the first game he played on the across the back half. Just kind of, uh, it just makes it difficult to um, want to get him in our sides as a bit of a downgrade because we can never really see what role he's going to play. But I guess that flexibility helps his, uh, you know, potential of keeping his spot. Yeah, so in this one against Collingwood, he was in the back half. In the first one, he was in the in the forward half. So uh, only 57 in that back half as well. Uh, I know a couple of St. Kilda people aren't really too crash hot on his job security, so probably one I'm happy to pass up on, especially considering he's got a bit of an elevate, elevated price as well. well. As long as the coach is uh, hot on him, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, someone that uh, we could park on our bench, JB, oh, great no. segue, mate. Um, is Matthew Parker. <laughs> it just seems to alternate between 80s and 30s and 80s and 30s. And, you know, if he didn't give away about 18 frees in a game, he might actually score. He, he's got four frees against a game. His next closest is two on his side. Uh, and, yeah, he, I think he's going to lead the stat for the most frees against in a season. I hope to get, you know, Swamp Thing onto this on Twitter, but it's just becoming so frustrating that I just want to trade him out for the fact that I never have to think about him again. That doesn't include the 50-meter penalty he gave away in the last quarter as well. Ugh. I think he's definitely a trade-out option now if you've kept him this long. Yeah, I, I think so. I was just waiting for the, like the any opportunity, any forward that I could trade him out to. So um, <laughs> he's going to go... Moore's going to come forward, even if he's not playing, just so I can flick Mark, uh, flick Parker out on my side and then we don't have to think about him uh, ever, ever again. Um, Rupert Wills for the Magpies in for his second game. He's a little bit elevated uh, in the mid-100K range, but he put out an 80 and showed that you know his contested game that he has in the VFL really has translated into the AFL for the first time. Yeah, not the big score the week before. Uh, so only the 36 the week before. Pulled out an 80 this round and looked much more comfortable. So if he gets a good run at it, then we could see him make a bit of cash. But I th- I, I believe he was a late in this game. So was dropped initially and then came in late. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was for Dugowie. Dugowie and Moore were out and Wills was one of yep. the one that was in. So um, yeah, job security, obviously not good enough for us to even consider. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pistol's boy, Chris Main, had something like 10 possessions in the first quarter and I couldn't get him out of my DMs. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was DMing me. He's come well. up with this mad theory about how Chris Main's going to be the ultimate cash cow of 2019. He just won't shut up about it. Yeah, well, I mean, for the first game, he hasn't exactly proven Pistol... Uh, he hasn't proven him wrong either, has he? He's, he's about 86. <laughs> he's had 25 touches. <laughs> he's got to be like 300k. I didn't know if Maine had gotten 25 touches in his career before this game, but as soon as Pistol talks someone up, you know they're in for a good one, so... Yeah, no, fair enough. We'll jump into the next one, the Lions and the Crows. Uh, I, I last checked the scores, and the Lions were up by about five goals. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, I followed up the next day to see uh, some super coach points, and I realized that the Lions had only just scraped across the line. Did, they must have, uh, you know, just put the, the queue in the rack, Lockie Neal to the bench, Zorko to the bench, everyone to the bench, and just, uh, you know, it's just like um, AFL Live where you can just, you know, kick five <laughs> in a minute. Yeah, it's like the new 666 rule has sort of made everything a little bit more equal in the uh, the center bounces. So if you get a run on goals, you pretty much just can continue to put the pressure on and, and they can't put that man back to stop it. So uh, it's been like that in a few games this season. So obviously Melbourne defeating Gold Coast last week was a prime example. But yeah, Crows sort of came hard at the end, but it sort of felt like Brisbane had control the whole time until obviously you look and you know, it's only a one-point game and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe this one isn't quite in Brisbane's hands, but did come away with the win. Uh, no complaints there. Obviously at the Gabba, they seem pretty pretty good this season and Lockie Neal you want to talk about pretty good this season Chizo 148 super coach points the man is just I think he's had more 140 plus scores than he has had sub 140 plus so far well a a statistic without any warning I'm just going to agree with you (laughs) I mean you can fact check me afterwards but (laughs) pretty confident about that one (laughs) look we're just going to go with that I I have trust in you mate that's the the partnership that we've built up over over these years 22 contested possessions he had more contested possessions than most players on his team like had possessions in general (laughs) like he's just everywhere and uh, I I think at this point in time if you you don't have him uh, he's someone that you need to be jumping on really really quickly uh we do need to talk about uh the first gamer mitchell hinch um floating a little bit on the wing uh not super impressive um i did like the fact that he got inside at times but uh, 14 touches uh definitely one to watch after another game uh noah answorth just you know guaranteed to chuck him a you know 50 or 60 on the field puts up a 20 a mid 20 score jb it's just not what we expected yeah, and he wasn't shocking, but those three frees against, a couple of clangers on that as well. He had a couple out in the fall. And I think it's it's real difficult for a rookie when the game's in its obviously at its tightest, nil-nil first bounce. That's when you really want to have a couple of effective disposals, get up to a quick 10 points and, and tick on from there. But when you do what Answorth did, and I think he had a clanger and a free against, ended up on negative four after about 15 minutes gone. And it's just so hard to fight your way back from that, even if... You know, you have an unbelievable quarter the next quarter. If your team's already up by, you know, four or five goals, it's sort of the, the points just don't count for as much. So it's much harder to scrape your way back as a rookie when, you know, you're not getting 30 touches just by yourself. So, you know, the game was sort of cursed for Answorth from the beginning. As soon as I saw his first quarter score, I knew I'd made a mistake by playing Lock, uh, playing him over Lockhart. So hopefully he bounces back next week. Hopefully he keeps his spot. We do know that Bailey's out for another month, so he should do so. Yeah, and it was nice, uh, a good fun in the Slack channel when we were on Answorth watching. Everyone was getting excited every time he, uh, he managed to touch <laughs> the ball. And uh, there was this one, I can't remember who it was that had him on field, um, and they got really excited when he got the ball. And all Jacko. of a sudden he, ju- he just kept, yeah, just kept mashing it out out of bounds and that was just capital letters of bleeps that we can't repeat it was it it was quite amusing uh on the uh the crows side of things uh their their midfield really did stand up in the the likes of rory sloan and brad crouch a fair bit of scaling in this game it should be said jb i think they finished about 150 points short of the uh the 3300 pie um so a lot of a lot of players um did uh, get scaled maybe i'm thinking that wrong but uh brad crouch uh really bumped up to 119 and that's kind of the score that we expected when we picked him at the at the start of the year for those that did it's just taken a little bit too long 
Yeah, a couple of things. Firstly, on that scaling thing, I'm noticing, uh, I watch the scores, I don't know about the listeners out there, but I'm quite the fanatic, so I watch the scores sort of as they go up live. Like when someone gets a disposal, I'm checking their score, like sort of watching it like a hawk waiting for that plus three. Um, But I'm noticing towards the end of games, generally in the last five minutes, even if it's close, if it's blown out, whatever it is, when someone gets, say, a contested mark and an effective kick, they'll get one point for it. And everyone will pretty much get one point for everything they do for you know the last five minutes. And people are like, "Oh, these scores seem low. These scores like, but it hasn't actually for some reason they're giving out one pointers instead of the proper four, five, six pointers." So when the scaling comes up, like Brad Crouch gets you know twenty odd scaling, and everyone's like, "Well, that doesn't make sense. He wasn't that influential in that, and they lost." It's more so that he had a good last five minutes. I think he had like four or five disposals in that last five minutes itself. So. Um, I think if people notice and people start throwing their arms up towards the end of the game, not understanding why their player's not more, yeah, I think it's something to look for. That might be the most unnecessary thing anyone's ever heard, Cheeser. <laughs> well, I like I liked a, a good conspiracy as much as anyone, but I think you might be the first person that's ever thought of a champion data conspiracy. I think No that, one's ever thought of that I don't before. know why. I think the scoring just breaks for them <laughs> towards the end of games sometimes, and they just sort of throw a point at this player here and that player there and then fix it at the end. I genuinely think that's what happens. But in regards <laughs> well, to Well, I'm crouch, glad that it did break. I'm glad it broke for Brody Smith because when we checked his halftime <laughs> score, I thought he was going to struggle to get to 50. But to end up on 96, he uh, really did uh, you know, help drive them out of the back line in that, that last few moments to, to really make a game of it. And uh, in terms of Luke Brown coming back, he has impacted his kickouts a little bit, but he's showing that he does still have that capacity to you know average and 90s average and be one of the last players that we need to upgrade if at all yeah for sure and just I'll quickly go back to Crouch sorry but uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that he scored this uh, in the absence of his brother Matt so I think he'll go back to normal when Matt returns uh, and in, in regards to Brody Smith yeah half time I was sort of saying after a 70 last week as well that maybe Smith had, had sort of burnt out a bit during the year Luke Brown had sort of Hurt his scoring enough and Led was coming back into form, but a big second half and now Brody Smith is, is not in my trade plans at all. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, Riley O'Brien, almost at his like, perfect trade-out option, uh, a perfect uh, trade-out time this week, uh, if you have the opportunity, because uh, his break-even's around uh, what his average is at the moment. 88 this week. Um, he just keeps doing exactly what we need him to do as a cash cow and one of the, uh, the best trade-ins that we've had this year. Yeah, he's been great. If you took the plunge and, and traded him in, especially those who had sweet instead of binds and sort of traded up to him, which was a far riskier move than you know someone just downgrading Setterfield to him, uh, you're reaping the rewards. He's been probably the best cash cow besides maybe Sam Walsh this year. So uh, been very good. And in regards to trading him out, it's it's one of those things where if you need the money to jump up to someone like Whitfield, like I'm doing this week, or you know you've missed out on Boak who's botting me out pretty much this week or next. Is this rivalry league inside info? Should I be knowing this? <laughs> you can know it because, I, I'm, yeah. I mean, We're doing the exact same trades. I'm probably, like, probably going to lose regardless of who knows my trades or not. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, I'm, I'm, you can justify trading him out and cashing in that money. You can also justify holding him. But I think, Cheezo, a lot of people are making that mistake of holding him specifically because he covers your two Ruckman uh, on that buy. So... Just quickly, for those who have Bynes and O'Brien, so this won't apply to you, Chizo, the people that are con- considering holding him specifically for that buy, you know you've got Bynes in the forward line who you'd regularly have in your rucks, 
and you can only play O'Brien for one of those rounds because obviously your other two Ruckman play both times in the other two rounds. And uh, so pretty much you're having a, a zero in the forward line for three guaranteed buy rounds just to get one Ruck score in the middle buy round. Whereas if you just downgraded him to a forward rookie or upgraded him to a, a forward premium, switch binds back into the Ruck line, then you'd be getting that forward, whichever you traded in, every single, like two of the three buy rounds. You're actually getting an extra score by trading him out. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. There was a lot of switching there. I couldn't really keep up, but I agree with you. <laughs> if people have trouble with that, ask me about it after the podcast and I can explain it a little bit better. But essentially... No, no look, it, it, it makes sense. <laughs> Holding him that well, that long and keeping a donut in your side just for the sake of that one round is hampering your side in the long term and preventing its growth. And you're losing you're an extra round of actual score as well because the forward that would be Bynes would score twice instead of just the once. That's right. Yep. Uh, well, you've sold me on that idea. Sell me on Rory Sloan because his name's been cropping up a lot on Twitter and he's put up another 124. He's just having a, a little bit of resurgence and uh, becoming a little bit more relevant. Yeah, so he's 550k as well, so quite cheap. Three-round average of 125. Inter- interested to know what their run is because... The only concern that I have with Sloan uh, pretty much ever is that if you tag Sloan, the team tends to struggle, and most opposition teams know that now. Not many teams are tagging, and as I scroll down and look at their upcoming run, they've got <laughs> I'm West looking Coast. at it too, JV. I'm looking at it too. They've got West Coast who have Hutchings, Hutchings. obviously. Yeah, then they've got Melbourne, who might send harms to him, but he's been better as a as a freed up player anyway. And then I've got GWS with DeBoer, so I'll be giving like at least three weeks before I go near Sloan. Yeah, and then uh, he's got Richmond uh, and then the buy. So uh, I probably wouldn't be bringing him in before his buy at that point in time, uh, JB. Um, so that talks a little bit about Sloan. Uh, we'll go into the next game, Cats and the Bulldogs. Great to see Paddy Dangerfield back to his 100-plus ways, but not good to see him limping around the... Uh, it, it's getting to the stage where when he's limping off, I've, I'm still I'm struggling to figure out which leg he's limping on because, you know, you usually favour one leg when he's trying to favour both legs because he's limping <laughs> on both. So it just looks like he's walking normal now. Like It's just like a, a bit of, you know, like a pimp walk. It, I, I just don't really under uh, understand how much dramas... He's causing this year when we thought he was going to be, you know, the easiest selection of all in this year. Well, I'm not sure if you saw the coach's comments or Kane Corn's comments for that matter. But I don't um, listen, listen to Kane Corn's comments at all. <laughs> it's probably only, only for hilarity value. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, in this case, he might have actually had a point. But uh, Chris Scott said after the game that he thinks it's a minor ankle tweet, and any sort of you know happenings after the game where we thought. It might be worse. We saw the crutches. We saw the moon boot. Is just a little bit of danger theatrics, the coach said. So uh, Kane Corns also said this, the fact that uh, it only looked like an ankle tweak and we saw him on you know, crutches, all but in a wheelchair after the game and said maybe he's uh, putting a little bit of sauce on it. So might not have anything to worry about. Yeah, but uh, I guess on the, the flip side of things, someone with a medical background would tell you that In an elite sport, when you've done a significant angle injury, the first thing you do is put him in a boom boot and give him crutches. It's not significant. We see it with every team every weekend when someone's ruled out with an ankle tweak. He's weak, (laughs) he's soft, 
And we don't we don't it's, need it in the that, game, Chizo. That's a classic comment from someone that has no idea what they're talking Put about. Put him in just an ambulance just want click tweak and, and drive him out of here into the hospital. Full lights and sirens, mate. Full <laughs> lights and sirens straight down straight down main, main Mitch street. Duncan though, uh, Chizo. Uh to yeah. stop you from talking about whoever you were gonna talk about. <laughs> he he's gonna be very, very good point of difference. And with Geelong's run uh post buy or sort of slightly pre-buy, but you don't want to trade him in just for the buy, uh, is very good, and you know he could be could be a superstar in your midfields there. The problem is he's going to be great. He's going to be good, but he's got so many others that are going to be better than him within the same team. Not in this game. You know, well, not in this game. But <laughs> on the whole, he's going to be that consistent midfielder that goes, you know, one. You know, what's he going the last couple of years? One eight, one nine, one ten, somewhere around that mark. Yeah. I don't suddenly see him. Becoming a one fifteen average for the rest of the year and being a must have to get in, particularly with his awkward buy round. Like you'd be bringing him in after his buy and expecting him to do, um, you know, this one twenties average from the end of the buy onwards. So, is he really someone that we should be looking to bring in? I'm not really sold on that. Even though he's going so well, he's one twenty six, one twenty four, one forty four in the last three. But is he going to be that consistent, you know, 115 for the rest of the year in our midfield? I'm just not sure that he is. Yeah, I mean, he could be, and he might not be. As you said, the last couple of years of averages haven't done a lot to sell his 115-plus potential. But the last three rounds are hard to ignore, and their run post-buy is also hard to ignore. The fact that he's sort of got that midfield time, whereas Selwood's sort of been pushed out a bit, uh, the likes of Menegola and uh, even Dangerfield lately have been pushed out a bit. So if that continues, then I could completely see a world where Mitch Duncan goes 115+. plus. But at the same time, like you said, he can just also go into his shell and score between 95 and 105 for you know 10 consecutive weeks. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you think that he's getting that access because we've seen a lot of their midfielders, the walking wounded? Joel Selwood missing a few weeks, Dangerfield carrying some injuries is he getting that extra time while they're recovering um i don't think so but maybe he's getting i mean not in terms of the extra time i think he's pure midfielder regardless but in terms of selwoods and dangerfields hunting the same ball as you then yeah you could be right he's maybe getting that more you know that first touch more often due to the fact that he is probably their best player in there a lot of the time in the last few weeks you know rather than what is usual of you know Tim Kelly, Dangerfield, Selwood, Duncan? You know one of the four is going to get it, and you know you've got as good a chance as anyone else, I guess. But yeah. it's important to know that he's spending time on the wing. Uh, on the wing, he's not you know a dedicated inside midfielder because the likes of Selwood and, and Dangerfield are out. Like he's still keeping that same outside role. Um, so I, I guess it's not really influencing so much in that aspect, but I think, yeah, that extra one or two touches um, and a little bit more influence around again, uh, I think he might be getting just because of that. Um, but interesting one to watch. We should talk about first gamer Darcy Fort. Um, I have to put my hand up a little bit here, JB, and say that I spent probably <laughs> three to four months uh, just lolling at the fact that people would bring him in. Um, and a super coach ton on debut... Um, it almost, almost, almost 
makes me think that I need to make a donation to the Cancer Council. Just, I feel like there's, if we, if we were on YouTube instead of like, you know, a podcast platform, I feel like there's going to be that one fan that goes through all our previous episodes and makes like a two-minute clip of me bagging out Darcy Fort and it's just going to make me look like an idiot. Two-minute clip? They just have to use one episode for that. <laughs> You attacked this man. I'm surprised he even has a career anymore. The, the things you said about him, you actually wrote in angry letters to Chris Scott advising him to delist him immediately. There was and some... then Brad Scott wrote back and was like, uh, wrong team. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> it's Chris Scott, isn't it? Yeah, I wrote to the wrong one. Yeah, oh, I, I no. Just, I, I had this North Melbourne stamp oh, at the bottom. I, was I, like, do oh, that. I tweeted that out as well during the week that I actually don't have any idea who, who coaches who, but... I was told Chris equals cat, so I got there in the end. Well, that's that's a nice little mnemonic that you can need you, you need to learn. Uh, obviously, Darcy fought three goals up forward, uh, and immediately everyone is saying that he has uh, inverted commas so much more you know forward craft than Radagalia. Well, he's playing like it in the last one game, so he could he could already spot the, another two goals that I saw were just bombed on his head. <laughs> like, I mean, there's he, no how much forward craft can you have when you just stick your mitts up there and go, oh, it's stuck. I mean, he's definitely got a better ruck craft to him, and if he's kicking any more than one goal a game, then he's holding his spot. I think so. Job security could be good, and he could be one of the better cash cows, just as we saw O'Brien be. At the same time, just one to watch in case he falls out of favour, which I think he's only one bad game away from doing so. Yeah. Speaking of one bad game away, more like one bad quarter away, Tim Kelly, if he didn't come back at the uh, the end of the game there, he was looking like... Uh, he's just making a habit of these slow starts, mate. Like, I just... Um, I, I see the start of the game, and I see, uh, you know, Dangerfield on the mid-20s, and I, I see Gary Rowan is on, like, 45 in the first two and a half minutes, and I just wonder, <laughs> you know, how many points can be given out in two minutes, and suddenly he's broken the system, and there's just TK going along with a casual eight and a casual nine off, like, four touches, and it's like, are you even doing anything? <laughs> yeah, no, he's spot on. He's had a couple of weeks in a row. Last week, he turned it into a 160, and this week, he could uh, only muster up an 87, so... Thankfully, he's a forward, and our expectations are much lower for him. <laughs> well, the thing is, I made the joke last week, the exact same joke, that he was eating party pies on the sidelines in the first quarter. I'm not sure it's party pies anymore. It's like a bloody shepherd's pie. It's like a full thing. <laughs> uh, if he's eating shepherd's pie, then he's he's a better player than I thought, because shepherd's <laughs> pie, underrated meal. Charlie Constable, I agree with that, by the way. Charlie Constable uh, found his way into the team for his birthday. I don't know how because uh, uh, Tom Atkins was going to play with a pinged hammy. He was just going to sit in the goal square for the game. And suddenly everyone was surprised when he was a laid out. Ooh, I'm really surprised. Uh, Charlie Constable, uh, only the 11 touches this week, but made up with six six tackles and a goal. Uh, Of those 11 touches, he had 10 contested. Um, He's got the game to be just a fantastic super coach player for us but he's just not getting the opportunity and uh, something that we touched off uh, you know at the start of the year that he just might not have a spot in that cats you know team long term to be um you know one of those inside uh, attacking midfielders so um it's it's good to see for those that still holding myself included uh, that he did get another game but um I, i think at this point our, you know, our little flame for Charlie Constable, our love for him, is just dwindling just a little bit, knowing that we ha- we're getting closer and closer to moving him on. Yeah, and he'll be dropped this week, so. Yeah, for for uh, Atkins, who's just miraculously recovered from his hammy. Uh, we'll talk about the Bulldogs flexible, now. 
Uh, oh, something like that. Who knows? <laughs> uh, who really cares? It's uh, it's Atkins. Uh, Jack wow. McRae, one twenty-four. We'll move on, JB. Let's not not think about it. Uh, Fourteen contested possessions, thirty disposals, eight tackles. He was just everywhere doing the Jack McRae thing that we know he can do. Uh, thing, it, it, I watched this game. It's just starting to fall his way a little bit. There was a few weeks there when he was, you know, just down a little bit in the low one hundreds, where he'd go to get it and it'd bounce at ninety degrees to him, and he just couldn't get his hands on it. Uh, it just bounced the right way this week. Yep, and for those who don't have him, 584k, break even of 90. So uh, it's probably going to be quite a while before you see him this cheap again. So a good upgrade option, I think, for the next week. Uh, you could probably give it one more week if you are desperate. But yeah, I'd be getting him in probably this week or next. Yeah, certainly agreed. Uh, Josh Dunkley, only the 88 JB. Um, his role with the center bounces, Frico tweeted out, has completely, completely flipped with Tom Liberatore. Uh, in that two-week burst where he was just dominating, averaging 130, he was their number one go-to guy in the uh, the, the center bounce attendances, and Liberatore had dropped uh, outside of the top three. They've suddenly flipped again, and uh, you know Dunkley's dropped down below the sub-ton for uh, a couple weeks in a row now, I believe. Uh, no, so this was the first sub-ton. Last week he was still on 130, but uh, yeah. the roles had changed, and I've got a bit of, I wouldn't call it inside info, but just from a Bulldog supporter trying to understand the mind of Bevo, there was talk that he was sort of matched up on Tim Kelly this week, uh, Liberatore, that is, and was sort of there not to just not to tag him, but to just try and negate him as much as possible um, while still getting the ball himself. So... Might have been more of a match-up thing. I don't think uh, the Bulldogs will play many other teams with a, a midfield like Geelong. So maybe uh, next week we see Dunkley back into the middle and uh, hopefully just the match-up thing for those who own him. Well, that's an interesting point because when you see Liber in the centre line, you're thinking clearances. You're not thinking negating one of the other midfielders. Yeah, so uh, I think someone sort of said he was there, he was on his hip, and then if the ball bounced to him, then he was there for the clearance and sort of ran the other way. But just for those initial centre bounces, they didn't want to get scorched, even though they still did. Yeah. Um, oh. Will Hayes, just the 30, uh, 31 we have talked about before, uh, had uh, the bandage around his head because he was decapitated early on in the game. <laughs> and I think that seemed to readjust his radar because every time I saw him get the ball and I thought, yes, we finally get some, you know, you know, a, a plus three, a plus four, something's coming up, and he just massacred it out of bounds into the crowd like he was <laughs> at the end of the game throwing out freebies with his signature on it. Oh, I'll tell you what, Chizo. I, I don't like getting off topic often, but you're in good form with your analogy of this podcast. <laughs> I think you've hit me with about 10 already where I've had to chuckle. But yes, uh, Will Hayes might be in some danger with his best 22 spot this week. So look out for teams on Thursday. Uh, we'll be looking out for it. Uh, Jordan Clark, do we need to worry about him in uh, our potential future teams, JB? Yes. Uh, he, yes. <laughs> he, he was He was not playing that half-back role that we expected. In the last few weeks when he had been scoring well, we've been saying that he's been playing up on a wing. This week he's playing up on a wing and running. He was always on the opposite wing to where the ball was. Yeah. No, I think he was, it was half unlucky, half he's a rookie and doesn't know exactly where to run. Uh, I think he'll hold his spot still, but he's just not going to score those 60s that he was at the start of the year. I think obviously Tui's affected him as we thought he would, but probably more than what we thought he would as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Caleb Daniel, a little bit of a down week again. Uh, interesting uh, to see whether um, you know that 
is going to continue now that Matt Suckling is back in the team, but uh, he himself didn't have a, a fantastic game. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the Cats and the Dogs, mate. We'll jump into the Ruse and the Swans. The Swans coming over the Ruse uh, down in Tassie in a little bit of a surprisingly easy affair until uh, the 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 Ruse came back late, similar to uh, the Lions and the Crows. Uh Jake Lloyd just showing those that had doubted him over the previous weeks what he can do with a 141. If you don't have him, JB, you have to really prioritize. We've got those three guys in the back line. We've got Whitfield, Lloyd, and Hearn. So he's one of those big three that you should be looking for. Yep. Uh, so priced at 556, he did drop again this week, break even at 108 after that sub ton. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago now. Uh, no, sorry, the sub ton was last week. So he has dropped uh, quite a bit as well. Dropped 51k for the whole season. Now is the time. If you're not going to get in this week, you will still have one more week. Like I said with McRae, he's only going to have a slight price increase, but it's this week or next, or you're probably going to be paying 600k again. Yeah, certainly. And uh, he's only had, like, we talk about ceilings and floors. His floor this year in nine games is 83. I'll pay 550k, whatever he's at, five. 56 for a floor of 83 in our back line any day of the week. Yeah, no, 100% he's a must-have. Yeah. We'll talk about Isaac Heaney. A lot of people jumping off during the weekend. Uh, it seems it's one of those recurring themes, JB. Every time he has a mass trade-out, he has a massive score. <laughs> yeah, so uh, good playing words there. Isaac Heaney, 116 points in this one. Uh, only had the 17 disposals, but I tell you what, Chizo, if I've ever seen an Isaac Heaney game in my life, it'd pretty much be the exact mirror image of this one with a pure, healthy, jumping for marks, kicking goals, uh, pretty much doing a bit of everything. And when he did go into the middle, he was effective. He, he had some tackles, got some uh, some quick clearances. So this is the Isaac Heaney that we wanted to see, and he looked free of any injury. So hopefully now he's finally bouncing back from a bad fortnight, and uh, we can see him pull together a couple of good scores. It's important to know that I think it was much of the third quarter that he spent down in the rooms being assessed for concussion. Yes, um, he, he he did cop that hit, and the I think it was the it was either the physio or the doctor that came off the field, and he just wanted to keep playing. He wanted to keep going after. Well, they basically dragged him off the field uh, by his earlobe to get him to the bench and take him down for a concussion test. And when you saw him walking around in the rooms um, on the live footage, he looked absolutely fine. Uh, but obviously, they do have to, you know. Uh, tick the boxes to make sure that uh, he's all good. So it probably limited a 120 plus depending on uh, uh, how he went for the rest of the game, but he was off for at least 15 or 20. Yeah, guarantee he goes 130 if he didn't have that break because that's when the game was really at its knife's edge with North Melbourne having kicked a couple of goals in a row. Uh, and then pretty much Isaac Heaney was a stopper all game and I imagine he would have done a similar thing here as well. So yeah, I'm, the 130 was sort of robbed of us here, but 116 I'll take every day of the week. Sure. Now, at times, us super coaches can overanalyze things, JB. We can see into the statistics and make them say whatever we want. A couple of the coaches that I do know in the Slack channel decided that James Rowbottom was going to be a great trade-in option because JPK is out. Rowbottom plays an inside contested possession game in the NEFL, averaging 30-plus disposals, and his statistics are off the chain, even in underage level. The fact that he plays for the Sydney Swans was all I needed to know, that he wasn't going to get a role that made sense. Yeah, the role didn't suit him. He played forward again this week. Uh, do you want to name at least one of those coaches who advised you might be a good idea? 
No, I'm not going to name and shame because I know we're not one about of them. that. One of them's we're... actually on this podcast a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we don't want to upset people. No, just no, in no. Case he, he listens. Pistol, Pistol did say on uh, before the game that if they give him that midfield role due to JPK, then he might have been the trading option of the week. Obviously, they didn't, so we'll excuse him there. He was very, very strong that you shouldn't go stocky, you should get the row bottom because he was going to go massive. Uh, four, four touches and one of those being a behind isn't exactly what we expected. No. No, it was not. He spent 64% time on ground, so he's actually cutting up uh, uh, cutting up the oranges for much of the game considering the, uh, the, the amount of time we got on game. Uh, we'll talk about some of those on the North Melbourne side. Uh, ben Cunnington... We're running out, just like uh, Rowan Marshall, we're running out of things to say bad about Ben Cunnington. This could be his year, another 120-plus score. Yep. Yeah, spot on. It definitely could be his year. Um, he... I've even seen people say that he's a must-have. <laughs> I mean, maybe those sorts of people are a North Melbourne fan, so might, <laughs> might not be a must-have. I think he's, uh, I'm going to say, an above-average chance of getting into that top 8 to 10 midfield slot. But we have seen him start well before. We have seen him put together big scoring runs of games in which he you know, goes 110, 110, 110, The thing is, he's, he's got now an, a nine-week sample size and it's sort of hard to ignore and hard to say otherwise. Um, I think more people right now are sort of trying to get those tried and true sort of spots all filled up. So you, you're locking Neil's that you're missing or you're, yeah, Josh Kelly's, those sorts of players that you're still missing out on. McRae's obviously... And then they'll they'll turn to Cunnington for their last sort of upgrade, and at this point he's not giving you any reasons not to look at him. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. But uh, to those that are thinking about bringing him in, this is only his second score uh, in the one twenty above. And usually for those that we're looking to fill out our midfielders, we're looking at uh, the likes of Josh Kelly, we're looking at Cripps, we're looking at Neil, those that we've missed that regularly go one thirty plus. Um, I think that's probably limiting a little bit. I love his consistency this year, but I'm just not sure he's got that ceiling um, that's going to you know make up those ranks as the year goes on. So um, just something to think about. But um, you know, it's, it's certainly a personal preference. Uh, we'll talk about Larky JB in for um, his third game. A few people did bring him in. Uh, he looks like a, a likely type as he leads up. He uh, he certainly complements Ben Brown. Um, and a, a 54 isn't exactly what we want for a cash generation standpoint. Uh, but his job security during the buy for those that bring him that that did bring him in looks to be pretty good. Yeah, he is likely to hold his spot, so that's good. Yeah, not a, uh, a huge oh, man, amount of relevance on. <laughs> not a huge amount of relevance uh, on either side, um, other than those players there, JB. So we'll jump into the next one, the Bombers and the Dockers. And I know you're expecting me to go on about the umpire again because it seems that everything I do is this. Uh, but Dylan Schill, he's bona fide. I'd pick him above Cunnington any day of the week. Wow. I mean. I did, I did see him kick a goal in this one, and uh, I think it was Dwayne was on the commentary, and uh, he was like, that'll, that'll silence all the critics about his kicking this year. I was like, eh, it's one goal. He kicked I mean, it from like 25 metres yeah. out. Like, I can kick that on my non-dominant. I was like, yeah, it's, it's one goal. It's, it's probably one of his first good kicks for the year. But no, he has been excellent. He's strung together a couple of good weeks, and I think he's, he's conscious of the kicking thing, uh, and he definitely was handball-happy 
I, it was last week and I think the week before as well. This week he went back into his kicking uh, normalcy, I guess, and back up to 130 supercoach points, but come on, he's he's not very consistent. I think I'd be looking to his teammate. <laughs> I, you know what I've heard? I've heard that he's uh, he's trying to channel that of the you know the average golf player, JB. I'm not sure how much Where golf you played, with this? but basically, what happens if you're you know a handicap of 20 and above? Mm-hmm. You aim for the tree. Because you know you're not going to hit the tree because you never hit it where you aim. So maybe he was trying to hit a point and that's where the goal came from. You're probably right, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, and, and notice that the, uh, the the footage zoomed in on his face after he kicked it. We didn't actually get to see if it helicoptered or not. So um, that's a different one. Uh, according to uh, AFL player ratings, David Mundy had the best game of his career since their scoring system started. And it's hard to argue with 141 super coach. And uh, apart from trying to decapitate Parrish off the ball and not giving away a free, he was just everywhere. There's that umpire comment we were all waiting for. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he was everywhere. And a lot of people made excuses that he only scored big when Fife was out for that week. And then a lot of people made excuses that when Blakely came back, he was going to be limited. And Monday keeps on scoring well. So 141, 34 disposals, four mark six tackles was easily, easily Fremantle's best on ground. And look, he's done it for a decade now. And I was same as the pistol as well earlier in the year. When someone's got that much raw data to show that they are a good premium, they are probably a good premium. Yeah, that's right. Uh, talking about other premiums, Nat Fife, a little bit underwhelming. 24 touches, 22 of his uh, possessions were contested. That's a incredibly high uh, ratio there, incredibly. JB. But other than that, he didn't do a whole lot uh, Basically, just being their shoveler out of the midfield, not getting a whole lot of ball around the ground, which is unnat Fife like. Um, but uh, good to see that he did go over the ton for those that, uh, that had him. Uh, it was looking a little bit worrisome there for a moment. But we should talk about Connor Blakely. Started across a, a bit of a half back, uh, playing more of a you know a defensive midfield kind of position rather than pushing up into the, the forward line. He was staying a little bit behind the ball. Uh, I guess they're doing that just to kind of um, you know feeding back into the AFL system, but. 20 touches, six marks, uh, seven contested possessions. Uh, it's good to, good things to see, and it will be a, a little bit of a unique possible uh, option um, to, to get in our back line in future weeks, depending if that um, you know follows on uh, his scoring. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having Blakely. I think I will end up with him in my team. Uh, it's hard to sort of split which defender might miss out, but for those of you who are you know, lucky enough to not get Laird in their side. He's probably the one uh, of the usual top six that you expect might miss out. Uh, his scoring potential is huge, and he had 53 at halftime in this one until, you know, he sort of had a slower second half, which is expected. It was his first half uh, back into AFL footy for a long time. So, yeah, like, like I said, I'm just absolutely looking forward to it because I don't think people remember how dominant Blakely can be, especially if he does get that full midfield time that we sort of expect him to eventually uh, warm into. Yeah, I remember that year. I think he... Um, oh, I can't remember what it was. I think he got really badly knocked out that year. I don't know if you remember better than, than me, JB. But at, before that had happened, he was an absolute must-have. Yeah, absolutely was. And... Uh, yeah, now now a defensive eligible, obviously, for a couple of years uh, and a couple of injury-prone years. That's probably the biggest factor as to, as to whether his body can hold up for enough time for us to sort of reap the benefits. But if it does, and we see a few weeks from him in a row where you know he's pumping out these 80-plus, 90-plus scores, he's definitely a strong looking for my back one. 
Another midfielder that's relatively uh, cheap um, that we should, well, I mean, we talk about every week is Zach Merritt, JB. Still only in 6% of teams, 577K, another 120-plus score. He looks like one of those guys that we can keep for the long term of the year and has that potential to go 120-plus. We do talk about Cunnington not having that ceiling. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Every score that he's gone um, uh, basically above 110 has been a big 120 plus so uh, he does have that ceiling but uh, also has the tendency to have a, a bit of a quiet game but um, I do like the look of Merritt as an upgrade option Yeah look I, I do love ragging on Zach Merritt not my favourite player in the competition but um, he's pretty much had one one bad score one average score and the rest of it has been either good enough or exceptional so uh, he's got a 155 mixed in there, 137 against North Melbourne. Um, and then his low scores against Collingwood and Geelong, it, no one scores well against them in the midfield. Yeah. And if, obviously that first week against GWS where they got spanked. So, And that's when he had DeBoer running um, between he and Shield that yeah, week as well. There you go. Way. So, look, I, I don't think there's a lot of a lot of negatives about Zach Merritt this year. And as we talked about in the past, he is sort of prone to a, a bad... Well, it's prone to being tagged out of a game. Um, pretty, he's a bit Sloan-like, isn't he? Yeah, and you know he's been pretty bad in the past, but I think um, as I looked into it this season a bit, against St Kilda and Melbourne, he did cop a pretty hard tag and pulled out a 108 and 120 score. Since then, he's sort of roamed free a bit, and uh, Dylan Shield might have even overtaken him for that tag now anyway, so I think he's a good option. Yeah, agreed. We'll jump into the next main, uh, next game, the Power and the Suns. Uh, JB, I did just get a tweet to see that Tommy Rockliffe got off his tripping charge after not making contact, so that's good to see. Uh, but he did come back in the second half of the game for a 103 Supercoach score. Only on the 30 at half time was a little bit worrying. Yeah, he played a very, very bad first half. And uh, I sort of said this, I was saying this in the Slack as it went. I felt like he was our actual worst player on ground to halftime. He, every handball that he did, even though it was counting for super coach points, it was to a player in trouble. Uh, all of his kicks were dry weather kicks and you know not coming off. And then he had one of the best second halves from you know a player that I've seen play for my club in you know quite a while. So really strung it together in that second half. Uh, redeemed himself with a score, obviously 103. Got off his tripping charge, and yeah, for those who traded him in last week or started the year with him, still looks good. Yeah, so speaking of looking good, uh, quite similar to the first half of Rockliffe, Boak was a little bit down, but it was more because he uh, he kept uh, either turning over the ball or giving away a free kick, but 36 touches is pretty much what we expected against Gold Coast at home. Yep, and absolutely, there's just no reason to avoid Boak if you don't have him in your team already. Uh, he's going to be very cheap in the next couple of weeks, so I assume uh, yourself being a non-owner cheeser, you can attest to the fact that he is high on your radar for the next fortnight. Oh, absolutely. Uh, speaking of high on my radar, um, Joe Attlee was a little bit high. I was really excited to see what he can do considering his sandfall numbers. Uh, 66 on debut isn't terrible. Uh, and, you know, 19 possessions, 15 of those handballs, uh, 12 contested. Just reminds me a little bit of the Ollie Wines uh, when he first came into the system. Yeah, and the two free kicks against, I was obviously watching this game very closely, uh, could have definitely gone unwhistled, so I was pretty annoyed that they got whistled against him. In a wet game as well, I thought that was a little bit harsh. Yeah, so definitely, I think he could have pulled out a 70-plus score on this one and debut. 
And I did the cardinal sin of trading in someone uh, not only a week early, but two weeks early, Chizo. So Atley is in my side. You got Atley. Yes. You and Pistol both got Atley after <laughs> telling everyone don't trade in No, no, I definitely week. didn't tell people to trade, not trade him in. I was actually advocating for it as soon as I saw Haitley wasn't named. I was very much in the camp of trading in Atley. And it's definitely, it's not great advice because there's obviously so much that can go wrong and, and very little that could go right if you jump early. But due to the options that there were last week, Atley, I was very confident would get a third, fourth, and fifth game. So jumped on early. If there's ever a tagline that comes along with this podcast, it's trust our opinion because we don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty close. Joel Garner was not someone that you traded in for his first game. 65, he didn't look too bad. He's a little bit undersized, I feel, in the Port Adelaide back back line. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I mean, he's there specifically as a rebound defender. We have a lot of those in the system at the moment. Uh, And, yeah, he's sort of tasked with holding his spot over... Uh, Riley Bonner um, played well enough this game to do so. I just don't think his job security will keep him in the team for enough time to make cash. Fair enough. Uh, Making cash, made cash. He's run out of cash to make Xavier Dersma. Almost getting to the time that we can move him on? Yeah, he does have a very helpful buy, being that first buy round. So um, worst case scenario, there's, I mean, he won't depreciate by enough to have to trade him out this week. If you do want to hold him through those handy buys, then... Uh, very much would be happy to do so. If not, obviously he's made enough money and uh, won't start dipping, but will definitely hold on to the amount of money. He's not going to make you much more from here, so happy to trade out. Yeah, and uh, important to comment on uh, Willem Drew having 30-plus disposals and like 12 clearances in the uh, the sample. So uh, he, he's certainly uh, fighting to get his position back, uh, one to notice. Uh, we'll talk about the Suns. Ben King had his first game, and not probably the game you'd expect him to, to be getting his first run, considering the weather and being a, a tall marking forward. And uh, we saw that from uh, his game on the weekend, only the, uh, the, the five touches not a single mark yeah uh set up to fail in this one with the weather and uh yeah there's not much more you can say i actually felt bad for him because he did try his heart out all game and just couldn't find the pill because obviously his size yeah uh josh corbett has got to be the most consistent player in Supercoach. i expect <laughs> someone with that has uh you know excel data spreadsheet knowledge to tell me because uh he's just uh just you know that metronome that 59 59 60 score every single week um that you can just count on in that forward line uh, it, it, it's just perfect for knowing when to trade someone out because you know they're not going to have that variance that changes their cash generation yeah, so he's taken the mantle off of Darcy Moore there, who uh, was consistently scoring in this low 70s for the first month. But yeah, no, he's playing well enough and will hold his spot. And, you know, there was a few times where I sort of looked up and he, he got someone for holding the ball or took a big mark. And I was, who's that? Like, what, what sort of player is that? They don't, they don't have that sort of talent in their forward line, Chizo. And I looked over and it was Corbett. So yeah, did some good things. And it's uh, important to notice that he absolutely shanked two shots at goals as well. So yes. could have easily been a mid-70 score. Could have been a really, really good day. Um, I, I do need to talk about this guy, JB. Um, Braden Fiorini. Just because of the amount of inboxes that I get from Plunk about you know <laughs> how good this guy is and you know can we orchestrate a trade to try and get it in the keeper league and things like that because uh, he loves this bloke as well as Jack Bowes he keeps trying to sell me Jack Bowes to get you know pieces together to go get Fiorini I think Bark is the one with Fiorini oh is in your yeah oh so 
Plunk is trying to get. Yeah, he, Fury. He's chasing. He's chasing oh, hard. Yeah. I mean, I understand why. Um, he's young. He's got obviously bucket loads of talent. I don't think anyone expected him to jump up to a 100 plus average this year. Unfortunately, it isn't relevant for our classic teams. But yeah, if you've got someone undervaluing undervaluing him in draft, which after this score probably won't be too many people doing that, then definitely one to chase. Looks good. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, and that pretty much wraps up this game, JB. Do you have any last uh, you know, insider knowledge of the power that you, you like, and maybe in, in terms of some of the rookies? I don't think Willem Drew will find his way back. I think we'll go in unchanged into next week. Uh, if Ebert is fit, then I'll probably see Motlop go out of the side, but that's about it. So, uh, And credit to those who have held on to Connor Rosie so far. He had another big score this game. So. Yeah. That's he's going to be a superstar. Oh, he's going to be we'll amazing. jump into the next one, the Tigers and the Hawks, JB. Uh, we've already seen on Twitter from Frico that Dustin Martin had the uh, no change in his role for the entirety of the year. Um, 128 supercoach, it just seems to be the first game that he's strung everything together. Yeah, and he's got enough talent to do this probably five or six times every single year. Uh, probably three or four times in a row now we'll, we'll see him go on a hot run and then uh, go back to, I, I wouldn't say it's normal Dusty because I think his best is during the finals, but uh, normal season Dusty where he sort of pulls out the 20 to 25 disposals, you know, gets the 80 to 105 supercoach and, and sort of hovers around there. So, yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think anyone should be trading him in, that's for sure. Uh, apologies for the background noise. The dog's trying to get into the podcast booth, JV, if you can, uh, if anyone can hear that. Uh, the uh, Soldo out for a week with suspension is going to heighten the excitement around Noah Bolter putting up a maiden supercoach ton, 101, and looks like the only option the Tigers have left for their ruck option. Yeah, I mean, obviously considering Grig just retired, they've pretty much got no one left. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he's, he's really he's really persistent, JV. I, I, I feel like I can't I even hear him. So you're... <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like digging at the door, like it's a, a sandpit. He's he's trying to get in here really desperately. He wants to listen to the super coach knowledge that we have to drop. Sydney Stack <laughs> just continues to keep making money, uh, JB, and just being that solid midfield option that we missed out on uh, in the top five for most money made from a rookie this year. Another sixty three. He's been fantastic. Uh, another rookie that hasn't uh, you know. Know, kind of rebounded in the second half of the, uh, the the game, Liam Baker with 54, his lowest score for the year on negative one at quarter time. And it's when I saw that quarter time score that I knew this round was going to be my worst. Yeah, and not a great score from Shy either after last week's uh, top scoring for the uh, for the match. No, for just for Richmond, I think it was top score for. So a couple of players who you thought were about to make you a bucket load of cash that might have just slowed their cash generation for a few weeks. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, on the Hawks side of things, Sicily's 75 is going to bring his price down a little bit. We're Licking going to be able to get him cheaper. Yeah, I, I, I know you're, he's one that you're really looking hard at. His ceiling is just incredible. I, I think there's probably only one or... Uh, actually, now that I think about it, there's three other players <laughs> in defense. I was going to say one or two others, but then I was like, yeah, there's probably only Jake Lloyd. Oh, wait, there's Hearn. Oh, wait, there's Whitfield as well. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think there are three others that have higher ceilings in him, and that's pretty much it. And you know, he, his ability to pump out one twenty plus scores effortlessly are just yeah, almost unparalleled. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I'm just gonna deal with the dog for a second. <laughs> what are you doing? He's 
Hey there, lovely listeners. This is Future Chizo. Just giving a shout out to James Holloway. Sorry for skipping over you at the start of the podcast. Thank you for being a patron and being part of our community. I know it's already been a long podcast, so let's get straight back into it. Not a whole lot of relevance for the rest of the game there, JB, but Sicily is definitely one that we should be looking at in uh, future weeks. Jack Scrimshaw has recovered from his migraine, but uh, a 55 from him isn't exactly what we wanted. It's kind of stunted his growth, particularly with with the buyers coming up. So uh, if you do have him, we'll be looking to cash him in in future weeks, JB, and trying to get one of those uh, you know those big four defenders that we're talking about um, uh, up to uh, into our side there. JB, you'd agree with that? Moving on. On Scrimshaw? Yep, spot on. All right. We'll jump into the last game, the Giants and the Blues, and their names of their, uh, you know, their mascots uh, kind of simulated or, you know, projected exactly how they were feeling because the Giants were feeling giant. The Blues were in the Blues because this was an absolute thrashing. And I've got to say, we don't really want the Blues to just keep losing by 100 points, but I was kind of just, you know, really hoping the Giants got to that, you know, that 100-point margin. It's just that just that weird feeling. You just, you know, it's like declaring on 500 on, on uh, you know, Don Bradman 17. It's just that, you know, that mental edge you have against the opposition. Yeah, no one likes the statistics of a man of 100-point throbbings I've had, and Western Sydney almost added another one. Carlton almost copped another one, and they, I think they were lucky to get away with I mean, this could have been 150, and I wouldn't have been surprised, to be honest. Speaking of 150, it's about how many disposals Lockie Whitfield had. Um, we looked at his heat map, and just the entire ground was red. There were no orange or or clear spots because he was everywhere. Yes, yeah, so someone asked uh, if Whitfield had a new role. A couple of witty responses in the Slack. So Tony said, yeah, his role is pretty much going wherever the hell he wants. And then... And then another response, I think it was from Al saying, uh, yeah, his heat map covered every single blade of grass. So he pretty much went everywhere, got the ball everywhere. Uh, 40 touches, 18 marks is incredible. Four tackles, uh, a lonely three goals, which is, you know, just Mm. whatever. And then 170 supercoach points. So just absolutely amazing. I thought Whitfield was going to come down to about 500k and I was very, very wrong. Yeah, no, he's, he's certainly, this is the cheapest that you're going to find him for a long period of time. I, I should also note, note that I did pick up on that pun that time, JB, witty responses. Uh, I, I was uh, certainly on board with that one. <laughs> the only uh, unintended jo- Josh- pun of the podcast, you get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Kelly, another 35 touches, 12 contested possessions, played a little bit more out side this uh, this time, JB, played a little bit more wing. Um, I think that's a, a little bit in response to the fact that they were playing so well against the Blues and also for the fact that they didn't need him burrowing in on the, uh, you know, the inside. So um, it's good to see that even on games where he's not playing his, uh, you know, half and half role, he's still able to uh, accumulate disposals and really be damaging uh, against the opposition. He's awesome. And if you want to talk about ceilings, uh, he's got one of the highest in the whole entire league if you're willing to ignore his uh injury history in the last couple of years then i would 100 percent recommend trading him in uh this week or you know last week pretty much Agreed. Uh, or the week before, if you were completely inebriated. Uh, <laughs> Zach Williams with a hamstring tightness, JB. Not a tear, but a tightness, and we're still awaiting scan results, I believe. Yep. I'm um, inclined to believe that if this were 
in the second quarter of the grand final that he would have had no issues at all running back out there. Having it being against Carlton and, as you said, nearly 100 points, I think it was the right idea to rest him for the second half. Uh, obviously, the 70, I think he had 63 points halfway through the second quarter before getting this injury. So uh, upsetting because he was on track for another big 120 plus. Scaling obviously took him up to 75 as the game went on. But if they did rest him in any plays this week, then I'm absolutely happy to cop that one. Yeah, it makes it look really good when he's got 75 from 37% game time. It, ju- it just makes you think, oh, that's a that's a 140 going back. He was dominating as well. He was, I think yeah. he was the second best giant on field and they were up by 10 goals already. Yeah, he and Whitfield for, were really vying for one and two. And we really should mention Tim Taranto because he has grown into an absolutely fully-fledged premium uh, in terms of AFL midfielders this year. Uh, still a little bit to go, I guess, uh, in his potential as a super coach player, but he's a, a fantastic um just does everything. There's no weaknesses to his game. He's inside, he's outside, he's contested, he's able to spread from packs, he kicks goals. There's just nothing he doesn't do. Yep, and 136, 96, 104, 144 in his last month. Uh, they've got a very, very good run coming up. He's really only had two scores, one for 78, one for 67 that were poor for the whole season so far. And with their good run coming up, if you want to talk about point of differences like Cunnington, etc., I think Taranto will be, I think he's pretty safe for a 110 plus for about the rest of the season. So, I th- yeah, if, yeah, I mean, if you're backing him in to go higher than that, then he could be a very, very good option. Certainly agreed. Uh, Sam Walsh just keeps doing what he's doing with an 80 point super coach game. Uh, did drop a little bit of cash, but, uh, you know, we've talked in previous weeks that, um, He's. we've got two schools of thought, whether you need to keep these consistent rookies that are going to get games during the buys or do you cash them in at their top price. I've been advocating that we cash Sam Walsh in. I'm not, I'll get your thoughts in a moment, JB, but mostly for the fact that if we do keep him during the buys, we're probably going to lose like 50 to 80K off his, you know, his top price that uh, I think he's going to get to. It's another game in a row that he's dropped below 20 disposals, sort of supporting the fact that he's just slowing down a little bit and uh, may even potentially need a rest in coming weeks even you know before before the buy so uh, I'm definitely in the school of thought of trying to upgrading if we can do you uh, have anything different to that I upgraded him this week just gone so I'm happy to cash out on those players um, I've had a very cutthroat mentality this season obviously upgraded Libba after his first sub ton uh, might have been his second yeah but I think yeah, we did the same yeah very early on that one as well and uh, Walsh has gone for me. A couple of average scores. Seems like he's hitting a bit of a wall. Uh, they've got, obviously, a bit of a tough run. Their whole club might have a bit of a tough run sort of coming up in the next month. Uh, I know he's got that good buy, but I'm not willing to drop sort of 30, 40K, as you said, uh, just to wait for that buy. I understand people that are going to do so, uh, people with higher cash gen than myself. But, you know, it's just that sort of year where every single dollar is going to matter and if I've got the opportunity to go Sam Walsh to Josh Kelly like I did this week you know I've already netted 50 points a lot of money and uh, a lot of happiness I think (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I agree. We all know that our depression is, you know, tied to our super coach teams. Big time. Um, it, so I, I totally agree with that. Paddy Cripps was a little bit depressing for a few super coaches, but it, it's one of those things that it wasn't completely out of the blue. We knew exactly what was going to happen. I don't necessarily think he was going to put up a 66. I think DeBoer's tagging job was so, is one of the most effective tagging jobs I've seen in recent memory. I mean, when they send him to someone like a, a you know, a Shield or, uh, you know, a merit from the Bombers, for example, you think um, he's going to do a really good job. But when you send them to like a six foot four, 95 kilo beast, you think he might influence them, but, you know, not be too damaging. But, you know, to stop Paddy Cripps, you know, I can't even remember the last time that Paddy Cripps had 12 touches in a full game. Yeah, so we we went through a few players that we thought to be untaggable a few weeks ago. Cripps was pretty much the only player that I could say at the number one like the, in, on the heather list that I was confident would never ever get tagged to this sort of score I think it's safe to say if DeBoer isn't in the All-Australian team then a tagger would never ever be in the All-Australian team yeah and I think this is the moment where I say that there is no one untaggable now yeah if, if, you, yes, yeah, if you can if you can tag Paddy Cripps to this effect there is no one that is there, there might be two players and that's Josh Kelly and Lockie Whitfield because they've got DeBoer on their team <laughs> Well, I suppose that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, I, I could have said a number of people that you wouldn't tag because they can't kick, but um, <laughs> like <Dylan Schiller. laughs> you, you can't tag those because you're just making it worse for your own side. But that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, you're spot on the money there, JB. Um, we do talk about uh, Liam Stocker in for his third game, um, playing across the defence again as that bit of a, a you know rebounding halfback. 18 touches, only the 45 super coach points, but he didn't do um, a whole lot of good to his score with five turnovers. So uh, what could have been for uh, for um, Liam Stocker in this game? Yeah, he played all right, and the big test comes this week when Kate Simpson's probably named. If Stocker survives that, then I think those who went on him uh, are pretty comfortable with a player that they will have throughout the buys. If not, if he goes out for that one, then it's it's unfortunately been a failed cash cow. Yeah, and two cash cows that are really hurting us at the moment, Will Setterfield and Michael Gibbons, for those that do have him. Scores in the uh, the high 20s. They both had, well, they had 11 clangers combined in this game, and I, they barely beat that in dis- total disposals between them because uh, it, it seemed when they did get the ball, they turned it over, and it, that seemed to be a common theme amongst our rookies this year. Yeah, Satterfield had 12 more points than he did disposals, so that's not good. And, yeah, he's just, I think they've both hit that wall where if you trade them out this week, it's probably two weeks too late. <laughs> so get them yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. JB, that pretty much wraps up all the important information. I, I guess we should say that uh, Nick Newman had a, a you know ridiculously good game in comparison to the rest of the Blues. So um, it just adds credence that um, you know maybe Liam Stocker is on the chopping block when Cade Simpson comes back because um, they just tried to feed it into Newman's hands as many times as they could, and he ended up with twenty six kicks and three handballs, just typifying the fact that they're just you know trying to feed it into to their experienced hands out of the back line. Yep. Nah, spot on. I think uh, right. he benefits a lot from Cade Simpson not being in as well with those kickouts. Yeah, I really agree. JB, uh, really fantastic having you on for the review podcast. Went a little bit longer than we did expect uh, with a little bit of an interruption there with the uh, the little paparino coming in and uh, <laughs> trying to uh, get himself on the podcast. I think he barked out some pretty good advice there, so... 
haven't, haven't <laughs> had a lot of uh, great advice sparked out from che- uh, Pistol lately. So <laughs> That's true. Hey, mate, uh, why don't you tell the lovely listeners where they can find us during the week? Sure. So you can get us at the, the probably the most popular and best Twitter handle is at Chizo underscore DRSC. I'm glad you say that. I'm going to stop you because I've just hit 700 followers. Hey. Like, oh, I feel really chuffed about that. And you're both nearly at 1,000. Wow, wow, wow. There's no need to bring up ours. I think 700 is a great achievement, mate. <laughs> um, why, do they, why does everyone love you more? I mean, I... It's just... In secret, everyone needs to know, these two just keep going on about their Twitter numbers as to, like, we're the best podcasters, you're the extra podcaster. To be honest, I'm definitely, I think I'm I'm probably number three as as far as popularity among podcasters go, but... (laughs) I think my Twitter game is is very good in uh, getting getting a couple of likes racked up there. So you, you've Matt, been you've been sneaking in the uh, the the FPL stuff as well. You've been trying to get a little bit of soccer love, a little bit of AFL trying love. Trying to throw it to different just, markets, you reckon? Just spreading the breadcrumbs around and catch as many seagulls as you can. You could be onto something. So if you want to see that FPL <laughs> madness, then jump on mine at JP underscore DRSC, and then the Mastermind Pistol is uh, uh, Pistol underscore DRSC as well. So. The main Twitter, obviously, Dr. Underscore SC. Uh, we have to find a way to link that back to the Facebook because Facebook are being silly with their whole linking Twitters to Facebooks uh, and that, that sort of business. So not a lot it's of respect like when coming out. It's like a boyfriend and a girlfriend or, you know, someone, they break up on Facebook and they like they up, they, they upload their, you know, display photos and stuff mm-hmm. like that and they just, you know, they delete, they block each other so they can't see it. It's just, yep. it's just like a casual breakup because of okay. privacy rules. So, um, <laughs> no idea what you're yeah, going. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it's just so difficult and annoying, JV, because we get all these tweets saying, why aren't you tweeting on this account anymore? And it took us two weeks to realize that Facebook had blocked us out. Well, that analogy led to that, and I'm very confused as to how it got. <sighs> Mate, it's been an hour and a half. I <laughs> am totally cooked. I appreciate you being on the podcast with me. Community, I hope that there is a better week on the horizons for us. We'll talk to you again on the Lockout Podcast Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever you get to listen to it. We'll catch you again later.